reading from the epistle of Blessed Paul, the Apostle to the Colossians. Brethren, give thanks to the Father for making you worthy to share the lot of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the power of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, through whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of our sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creatures. For in him everything was created in heaven and on earth, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominations or principalities or powers. They were all created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that he may hold first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all fullness abide in him, and through him to reconcile for himself all things, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. All things I say, both on earth and in heaven, in Christ Jesus our Lord. From the Holy Gospel according to St. John. At that time, Pilate said to Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you saying this on your own, or have others been telling you about me? I am no Jew, am I? Pilate retorted. It is your own nation and the chief priest who handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom belonged to this world, my subjects would be fighting to save me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom does not belong here. At this, Pilate said to him, So then you are a king. Jesus replied, You say that I am a king. The reason why I have been born, the reason I have come into the world, is to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Today we celebrate the last Sunday of October, which is the Feast of Christ the King. And so we don the white vestments, the gold, to celebrate this great solemnity. The tabernacle candle in the church burns this week in loving memory of Mary Milton and Baba Broussard. We invite you to put your All Souls Day envelopes, the purple envelopes, in the collection basket today in order to have your deceased loved ones remembered at the Masses on Tuesday, November the 2nd, All Souls Day. We ask you to please place also the spiritual bouquet cards for Father Hill's retirement in the collection basket today as well. Uh, So again, if you haven't picked up one of those cards yet to offer uh, some prayers for Father Hill for his retirement, we certainly encourage you to do so and to be able to put that in the basket or drop it by the office in the next day or so. The Knights of Columbus uh, may be selling football board uh, squares in the back of the church after Mass for the LSU games against Arkansas and Texas A&M. There were only a few squares left, I think, so they may be not selling those. The Mass schedule for Monday and Tuesday, All Saints Day and All Souls Day, uh, are both for both days, 6 a.m., 12 noon, and 5.30 p.m. Latin Mass. Uh, both the Monday and the Tuesday Masses will have music, uh, so it'll be a little longer. It'll be high Masses, uh, similar to what we experience here today. 
Uh, Monday, All Souls, All Saints Day, is typically a day of obligation. But as it falls on a Monday, the U.S. bishops have the policy typically of not obliging uh, one to, uh, to make the holy day. But it is certainly a good spiritual investment if you were to do so. Uh, it's always good to, to come and honor all the saints, uh, to know that the saints will keep you in mind as you yourself are in need in the days ahead, the years ahead, whenever it is that they may uh, call, whether they may rain down God's graces upon you. So although not uh, strictly a day of obligation, certainly a holy day worth observing. This holy mass here is being offered for the intentions of Bob and Judy Dubois. As we come to celebrate this feast of Christ, the King of the universe, the King of the world, the King of all things, we rejoice to celebrate this kingship of our blessed Lord. It is, a, again, a relatively new feast in the life of the church. Pope Pius XI of happy memory, in his document, Quas Primas, uh, gave us this feast, inviting the Mother Church to celebrate the universal kingship, the universal reign of Christ, and to seek to usher it in, to allow uh, Christendom, although uh, many great saints uh, and saintly people of the church point to the fact that Christendom in our life is dead, but Christianity is not. Our Christian culture uh, seems to have, in so many places, been lost. But it does not, for that matter, uh, mean that we should not pray for and work for the dominion of our Lord here, not only in the churches, in our own hearts, but especially in the temporal world around us. Indeed, if Christendom has fallen, all the more should we put forward our efforts in converting our culture and reconverting our culture, converting hearts to our blessed Lord. And so we come to celebrate this feast, to be able to seek to cast out those foolish and sinful ideas of secularism, of focusing upon earthly things. So many hearts, so many minds over the past century have sought to make a world that is perfect, to make a world that is heaven here and now, to make the wonderful utopia where there is no more pain, there is no more suffering, there is no more waiting. We get rid of all of these things systematically, one after the other after the other, seeking to be able to make this world heaven. And it is not. It was not meant to be. They place their hope not in God, but in themselves, in our own minds. All the hope of the world from the secular end of things is in the human person. And if that is all our hope, it is no hope at all. Our hope must be in Christ. Our hope must be in Christ the King, who comes to establish himself, who comes to reign gloriously with his power, with his might, with his mercy also, with his love. It is this that we seek, that Christ would indeed be king in our churches, in our homes, and in society. This is the entire focus of this feast, not simply to celebrate our Lord as king at the end. This is part of the, part of the reason that it was intentionally put on the last Sunday of October. Uh, the Novus Ordo, uh, the Mass, uh, allows the Feast of Christ the King simply as the last Sunday of the year, the last Sunday of ordinary time. But the intention of Pope Pius uh, XI with this feast of placing it always on the last Sunday of October was to recognize that we'll have the last Sunday of October and then we'll have a few more green Sundays after that. 
And it's a reminder to us that our Lord's kingship is not just when everything in this world dies and we go to our judgment. It's not as if his kingship starts there. It starts here. It should begin in this world. And thus, we come to celebrate this feast, seeking to allow the kingship of Christ to be established truly here and to allow it to remain here until he comes in his glory. We come first and recognize the ways in which secularism seeks to pull us away from the kingship of our Savior. It seeks to allow us to focus upon our own selves, upon our own minds. It is the one that comes and pulls apart families, taking that which always has been the solid foundation and ripping it to pieces as it wills, setting spouses against one another, siblings against one another, siblings against parents, parents against siblings, and all of these things that our Lord says that he himself will do, but in an unholy manner. When our Lord says houses would be divided, it's because of the fact that he comes to be able to, to reign himself and knowing that some will not follow. It is a division, a sad one, that happens in sometimes in families, but it is because some have chosen Christ and some have not. But the secularism of this world is the fact that the evil one seeks to work through the worldly minds and worldly hearts to be able to sow division for any reason whatsoever. Division happens because of one's political leanings, because of one how, how one views any number of issues that happen in our world. Our Lord is pretty much last in line very often of reasons that we may disagree with one another. He's usually not even on the spectrum. Most times, people in the mind of the world are simply worried about the things of the world. Our Lord has not gotten in the way. It tears souls apart. It tears society apart. And it rips Christ from our hearts. This is the the ultimate desire, the ultimate end. Because if we have our hope in Jesus, our hope cannot be in ourselves and in this world. The secular world seeks to pull our Lord away from us, to rip out the foundation, to tear away the thing that unites, so that all being divided can be divided together. And then, when all chaos is broken loose, then we can place our trust in ourselves, in our own minds, in our own will, in our own strength, in our own plans. And this will gain us nothing but eternal sorrow and suffering. Instead, Christ calls us to come to himself, not to allow ourselves to be divided interiorly within our own heart, but also not to be divided within our family, not to be divided in our church communities, not to be divided in our local communities or our world. And the thing that brings us together is Christ himself. It is a wonderful thing that devotion to the most sacred heart, particularly enthronement to the sacred heart in the home, has become uh, sort of renewed in these days. It is a praiseworthy practice, and always for myself as a priest, a joyful one to walk into a home and to see there, in some prominent place, the heart of our Savior. Because it means, as the enthronement prayers indicate, our Lord reigns here. He is king of this house. That is the message that is spoken of the sacred heart enthronements, the enthronement of the home. And it's to say that our Lord is king of this family, and he himself desires to keep them close, to keep them together as one, and to keep each individual soul close in his hand as well. 
It is this wonderful entrustment to the heart of our Savior that reigns, the, the, the kingly heart of Christ that is there to draw us together. This is the remedy to the world, the world that offers us to focus upon ourselves and to make ourselves king, to dethrone our Lord. And Mother Church proposes that we enthrone him and set ourselves, even the head of the household, as number two. It's to let Christ reign, to allow him to rule over our lives, to allow him to direct our lives, even though this may be quite uncomfortable at times, trusting in our Lord in this life. It is indeed the only remedy that we have to turn to Christ, to give everything we have to him. And knowing that this necessarily will change us, we submit to Christ in our homes. But to the extent that we are allow ourselves to submit to Christ in the home, it is then that we are able to go and to bring the good news of the gospel, to bring the presence of Christ into the world around us that doesn't often know his name. And allowing him to reign in us in our homes, where we, praise God, spend most of our time, it strengthens that force of will, not to simply be shouted down or silenced by the world, but rather allows us to speak boldly the goodness of Christ, to speak boldly that Christ has a place in our culture, that he is truly the king, even if so many other voices seek to think themselves first in line. It is Christ who reigns. Even if we can't remember it, even if we refuse to acknowledge it, it's a fact. And thus it is good for us to acknowledge the fact, to allow ourselves to be under his care, to be a servant in the kingdom of Christ, because it is a kingdom that is not of this world, as our Lord tells us, and is something otherly entire. It is a beautiful gift, a grace that we can experience here and now, to allow the kingship of Christ to reign in our hearts and to call us to the next life where we are entirely his as well.